Hello, everybody. This is Randy Sutton, the host of The Voice for American Law Enforcement, welcoming you to another show. We are uh, part of the America Out Loud Network. And if you are listening to us on iHeartRadio, welcome to the show. I am a 34-year police veteran. I retired from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, a total of 34 years of service. I'm the author of a number of books, including A Cop's Life and the soon-to-be-released Rescuing 911, the fight for America's safety. But more importantly, I'm the founder of The Wounded Blue, the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers, a nationwide charity that helps officers who have been injured either physically or emotionally and psychologically. I ask you to check us out at thewoundedblue.org. On this show, we talk about everything current in law enforcement. And uh, we talk about this from a law enforcement officer's perspective. Generally speaking, I have uh, a, a pretty interesting guest or two on this show, but there is so much to talk about today that I, I wanted to just talk to you um, uh, about about the the uh, issues affecting law enforcement officers, just me and you. So let's get right into it. I spent the last week, um, if, you, uh, if you paid attention, there was no show last week because I was in Indiana. And the reason I was there was because of a national conference called the Second Annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. It was held in Terre Haute, Indiana. Police officers from around the country attended this. Now, what is the National Law Enforcement Survival Summit? And why am I bringing it up? Well, the summit is a training conference, um, very unique. It is every aspect of surviving a law enforcement career, physically and tactically, but also emotionally, psychologically, relationships, your family, um, dealing with the financial issues of, of, uh, of uh, the law enforcement field, all-encompassing. And... It was put on by the Wounded Blue in partnership with several other charities and and uh, local businesses. The uh, local business here in Nevada, in Las Vegas, uh, that um, that provided the not only the financial support for this is Martin Harris Construction. Guy Martin, who is uh, the principal in that company, is a true law enforcement supporter. And uh, if it weren't for uh, Martin Harris Construction, there would have been no National Law Enforcement Survival Summit to begin with and none for the second year. So my thanks go out to Martin Harris Construction for making this uh, incredible conference take place. Now, it's important because... What we have seen in, in, ironically, during the week that I was in Terre Haute, Indiana, was one of the deadliest, most violent weeks against law enforcement in, in recent history. And so the, the irony is not lost on me, and I wanted to really, really talk about this in great depth, because there is an epidemic of violence against police and this this week um really brought it home for me because of some some personal involvement here so I, i'm going to start off with this is a, a story from the associated press and when the associated press 
actually does a story uh, concerning the violence against law enforcement uh, that should that should get everyone's attention. This is by uh, a story by Gene Johnson, Associated Press. I'm going to read I'm going to read it uh, aloud to you because it, it it really focuses in on some of the issues. The title is Violent Week, a Grim Sign as Targeted Killings of Police Rise. The number of ambushes in which police were injured or killed in surprise attacks with little chance to defend themselves has soared since 2020. The shooting deaths of two Connecticut officers and the wounding of a third punctuated an especially violent week for police across the United States and fit into a grim, a grim pattern. Even as more officers left their jobs in the past two years, the number targeted and killed rose. According to organizations that track violence against police, 56 officers have been killed by gunfire this year, 14% more than this time last year, and about 45% ahead of 2020's pace. The county, the country is on track for the deadliest year since 67 officers were killed in 2016. Okay. Um, such an attack apparently struck Wednesday in Bristol, Connecticut, where the state police said Bristol Sergeant Dustin DeMonte and Officer Alex Hamsey were killed, and Officer Alec Irito, Irato excuse me, was wounded when they responded to a 911 call that appears to have been, quote, a deliberate act to lure law enforcement to the scene, unquote. At least 11 police officers were shot around the country this week, and including the two fatalities in Connecticut, another one was fatally shot in Greenville, Mississippi, and another in Las Vegas. The Mississippi officer, let's, let's, let's personalize this a little. These aren't just figures, these are human beings. Investigator Maisha Brianna Stewart, Greenville Police Department, was murdered. And in addition, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department officer Trung Tai was also shot and killed. <clears throat> when, I told you, when I told you at the beginning of the show that this was somewhat personal for me, it's because I knew Trung Tai. In fact, I had worked with him. He's a more than a 20-year veteran of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, and early in his career, um, he served on a squad that I was a supervisor of. And my memories of him are uh, that he was, uh, he was a hell of a cop, um, incredible personality, and a pleasure to work with. And now that's gone. He was killed on a traffic stop related to a domestic violence case. A terrible, terrible waste. So 11 uh, police officers were shot around the country. So he, while I was in Terre Haute, Indiana, um, you know, there, there's so much irony here. There were two charities that, that brought us to, uh, to do our law enforcement survival summit 
in, in Terre Haute. Um, one was founded by the wife of a murdered police officer from Champaign, Illinois, and the other, the sister of a murdered police officer in Terre Haute. And they wanted to bring us to that area to bring the, the topic to the fore up there and, and give law enforcement officers in that area the ability to come to this conference. And while we are there, not 20 miles away, two Decatur, Illinois police officers were shot and seriously injured. And the, the ultimate irony here is that the, um, the, the police officer who had been murdered in Champaign worked previously for the Decatur Police Department, and there were people in the room that knew these officers. It really brings it close to home. So we had officers shot there. We had officers shot in, uh, in Connecticut, of course. We had um, officers shot in, um, in various areas of the country. Uh, Philadelphia, three of them were shot. So this, this violence, this insanity is continuing throughout the country. Um, the Fraternal Order of Police reported that through September 30th of this year, there had been 63 ambush-style attacks in which officers were wounded, with 93 officers shot, 24 fatally. Now, th this is the total number of ambushes in which police were hurt last year, uh, more than doubled from 2020. The increase in ambushes and killings of police come at a time when many departments around the country face staffing shortages, with some agencies down hundreds of officers and struggling to fill vacancies. The, the realities of this article that I just read you are that these aren't just statistics. These are people who are fathers and brothers and sisters. They have families uh, who have been devastated. And as we see the violence rage on against law enforcement, we see almost nothing being addressed by the leadership of this country and by the states in which many of these officers are affected. This violent week was completely ignored by most of the media and by President Biden, the Department of Justice, the state governors, the state's governors and legislators virtually ignored. Not only is this tragic, it is demeaning to law enforcement. And one of the, the issues here is that the continued demonization and dehumanization of American law enforcement officers is partly responsible for the violent surges that this country has seen. The 
reality is that people take their leads from their leaders. And if there is apathy on the part of the federal government, state government, local government, then that is the message that is being sent, not just subliminally, but very, very clearly to the American public. We don't value the lives of law enforcement officers. Well, I'm here to tell you that blue lives do matter. And I have unfortunately witnessed so much death, so many people that we have dealt with as part of the Wounded Blue and in my career as a law enforcement officer where I buried my friends. So this is very personal to me. And in my role as, as the founder of the Wounded Blue, I deal with it on one level. In my role as a journalist here at the Voice for American Law Enforcement, I deal with it on another level. And that is, it is vitally important for you to understand the realities of the violence, unbridled violence against law enforcement, and how it not only affects your, your police, but how it is affecting your safety as well. Because if the police can't protect themselves, how can they protect you and your families? We are now seeing the most diminished number of American law enforcement officers in, in history. Literally, the, the, the agencies are across the board, in some cases, diminished to the, the point where they can't even answer their 911 calls in a timely fashion. There are calls that are, that are uh, massive emergency calls where people are breaking into other people's homes, when there is a violent assault, when there's people with a weapon. And in some cities, it is taking the police 45 minutes to an hour to even respond. Why? Because of the anti-law enforcement lobby that truly does exist. It exists in the form of the state legislators in states like um, Michigan and Illinois and the state of Washington and Oregon and New York, where, and California, of course, let's not forget California, where the state lawmakers have decided that the police are the problem, not the criminal. And so they were going to do everything in their power to diminish the ability of the police to police. Now, how do they do that? They create laws which restrict law enforcement officers from actually enforcing the law. It is, it is stunning to see what took place with the passage of a, what's, what is uh, euphemistically called the safety bill in Illinois. Truly some of the most radical, anti-public safety, anti-law enforcement legislation ever passed in America today. And the state legislators that did it are defending this abomination by 
doubling down and, and literally blaming the police for the crime problem. It's astonishing. They have put laws into effect which literally restrict the police from doing their jobs in any effective way whatsoever, and at the same time making it easier to prosecute the police. They're not interested in prosecuting the criminal. That's, that's not even on their agenda. Now add to that the number of activist district attorneys throughout the nation. Kim Fox in Chicago. Chicago is a war zone. There isn't a weekend that goes by when, when 20, 30 people aren't being shot, many of them killed. And Kim Fox's office, who is the uh, prosecuting attorney there, is having a mass exodus of attorneys because of her anti-public safety, anti-law enforcement stance. As such, there aren't enough people to even prosecute the cases. And so Kim Fox is more concerned with trying to prosecute the police than the violent offenders. I believe that there was a, this is a perfect example. This is another story that came out. Convicted felon out on bond for attempted murder, arrested in double homicide case. This is out of Chicago. A convicted felon out on bond on an attempted murder charge fatally shot two men during a house party last month. Suspect was previously sentenced to two years in prison after being convicted of felony fleeing and eluding. He racked up another felony conviction due to a drug case and was placed on probation. That case remains open and pending due to his repeated probation violations. And yet, even though he had these repeated probation violations, the district attorney refused to jail him. He was also charged with attempted murder in 2016 for allegedly shooting a man during a robbery. A 32-year-old man was critically wounded during that attack. Despite his criminal history, his status on probation, and his alleged involvement in a near-fatal shooting, this individual was released on just $15,000 bond. And by the way, what that really translates to is $1,500 bond, because that's all you have to put up. The suspect was among approximately 50 people who attended a, quote, video shoot party at a residence. A fight broke out in the kitchen area of the home, and the suspect allegedly shot 29-year-old uh, individual in the back of the head. Investigators said the alleged gunman then headed outside where he got into an argument with another individual. He shot that individual in the face, killing him, before he jumped into a nearby vehicle with two others and fled the scene. Both of those individuals died from their injuries. Um, so here, here, we have, here we have this guy, um, multiple offender, on probation, committing more and more crimes, and the, and the system in Chicago, Illinois, which uh, recently passed this, this insane legislation against public safety and law enforcement, they're the ones that gave birth to this violent type of encounter. Because if there are no consequences 
for criminal activity, you will get animals like this who will take advantage of it. I think it's really important to, to do a reality check here. Most Americans have no interaction with the police. Virtually none. Maybe once or twice during their lifetime, they may get stopped for a traffic violation or have to call the police for a crime report. But most people will never interact. However, that is not the case when you're talking about violent predators. And violent predators truly do exist. I know that in my conversations uh, as, as a, a law enforcement officer and also being someone who is out in the public eye uh, as a journalist and as a, as a commentator for other news services like Fox and Newsmax, it's, it's surprising to me, but I guess it shouldn't be after all these years, that there is a lack of understanding. And let me try and, and, and drill down on this, but there's a lack of understanding that there are truly evil, violent people that, are, that walk alongside you in this society, and they are sociopaths. They care nothing about committing crimes and committing violent acts, and yet they walk among us. And I think that, that in our innocence, if you will, this is such a dark concept that we as Americans don't even want to believe that these creatures walk among us. Now, if that sounds harsh, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I have to, I have to. I can't sugarcoat it. But the police deal with these people all the time. They understand the reality of the violent criminal predator. And so when cops take the job, generally speaking, it is because they want to be the sheepdogs for their communities. When I say the sheepdogs, they're the, they're the protectors of the flock. Well, if you... If you are the protector of the flock and you're going and you're putting yourself in harm's way for that purpose, you have to have the teeth, if you will. I'm, you, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being full of metaphors here, but you have to have the teeth capable of defending that flock. Well, what the political left has done, the leaderships of many of these states and even our federal uh, government is to take the teeth out of the sheepdogs, to file them in such a way that they won't be effective. And let, let me be really clear that the predators know this. Predators are just that. They are natural predators. They see the weak. They see the... Um, individual animal that is lagging behind or that is an easy mark and they attack them and destroy them. Well, this, this is not far from the reality of violent criminals. Now, I know that probably flies in the face of some of the social justice nonsense that, that has been uh, permeating the, the media and the leftist politicians who have made uh, deities 
of some of these criminal predators like George Floyd, uh, like Michael, uh, um, I forgot his name, the, the, the punk in uh, Ferguson who, uh, who, create, who attacked the police there after committing a robbery. Um, somehow these, these criminal predators have been deified and made to seem, appear like victims when they, in fact, were not. Uh, it, is, it, is because of the, it is because of their acts that they lost their lives. And yet, somehow, that narrative has been switched and turned and massaged by the media and by the political left to make it seem as if they were the victims. In fact, they were not. So you have the perfect storm now of headlines like I just read you about law enforcement officers being shot at, a, at, a, at almost an unprecedented rate because people aren't afraid of the consequences. They aren't afraid of what will happen to them should they commit a crime. In fact, there was a very, very disturbing situation that occurred in New York just yesterday. There have been more murders in the subways of New York than any time in history. And just, just this year alone, more than eight people have been murdered in the subway system. That's, and that's not even, I'm not even talking about all the, the thousands of attacks. But yesterday, uh, an innocent was literally pushed off, the, pushed off the train platform into the pathway of a train, which killed him. This comes just days after a similar incident where, thank God, some bystanders were able to yank the guy up out of out of the out of the uh, pathway of the of the train seconds before um, he lost his life. And the mayor of New York, who himself is a former cop, or at least he wore a badge in New York City comes out and literally denies that there's a problem. It, it's almost mind-boggling that, that the, the elected mayor of New York City, which, at, by the way, was at one time the, the safest large city in the country, would have the audacity to come out and literally lie to the entire, not just to the people that elected him, but to the world and say, there's not a problem here. Not a problem here. And this, my friends, is part of the issue. Part of why the American criminal justice system is at its breaking point. And as the, the leftist politicians, and you know, and that's a, maybe that word leftist politician makes it sound like that, that, I'm, I'm a, a political animal, and I'm not. I truly am not. I don't care if if there is a D behind your name or an R behind your name. It's your policy. It's it's what you do. It's what you say, which is important. And it just is the reality now that that Democratic politicians in in Chicago, in New York, in Portland, in Seattle, in California are those who are responsible for this 
tsunami of violent crime that is leaving thousands of victims in its wake. And I guess what I find so incredibly frustrating is that this is a fixable problem. New York lost its mind under Cuomo and de Blasio and the state legislators decided because of their social justice platform to literally undermine the entire criminal justice system in New York, to create it a system that they said would be more fair in that they wouldn't hold people on bail or bond for the crimes that they commit. An insane policy that has been proven over the last several years that they have put it into effect to be an abomination, to literally leave a pile of bodies in its wake. And yet they refuse absolutely refuse to acknowledge this reality and fix it. How did, a, how did New York City go from being the safest large city in the country to being a city that is engulfed in fear, in fear of the criminal, by the policies put into place by the governor, and by the way, Governor Hochul, who took over for the corrupt Governor Cuomo after his departure, is no better. She follows the same prescription of death and violence that Cuomo did. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the povidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20%. By using promo code OUTLOUD. 
trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Tell you about some true supporters of law enforcement that help support this show as well. And this was really kind of interesting for me because I got to meet... Um, couple of these individuals at the Law Enforcement Survival Summit because they supported that as well. One of them is a, a, just an amazing company called OfficerPrivacy.com. Uh, it was started by a law enforcement officer, of course. And what he created is, is an ability for officers to safeguard themselves and their families because of the doxing that has been occurring against law enforcement officers. You know, the the criminal element, it can be very sophisticated. They can find out where you live, what, your, what cars you drive, what your family is, from all types of internet uh, searches. Well, what officer privacy does, it actually goes onto the internet and through an algorithm, goes to the areas that, that um, are susceptible to giving away your personal information as a police officer and they remove it and they continue to remove it as the months go by it's not expensive it is absolutely essential for police officers and those who have been police officers as well because there are enemies out there and they are looking for you i heard the first-hand account from one of the officers who had been involved in a very high profile shooting and his family literally had to go into hiding and they used officer privacy, and it gave him uh, a great relief to do that. So uh, officerprivacy.com, um, a great company. They're doing amazing work, and they're true supporters of law enforcement as well. Another individual who I had um, talked to previously and finally got a chance to actually meet is the creator of a, a amazing app for police and it's called thin blue line defend thin blue line defend.com now what exactly is this this was created by a high-ranking um officer in the georgia bureau of investigation who investigated officer involved shootings for for decades literally well what he found was that officers from around the country are not prepared to report uh, in, in, a, in a really cohesive way that, that encounter in which that officer had to use deadly force. Now, 
every department has forms that you have to fill out. But it is essential that that police officers, law enforcement officers, go on the offensive when it comes down to defending their use of force. And what Thin Blue Line Defend has done is create an app that can safeguard those officers. And it, it, it is amazing. Um, they, they pushed it out earlier this year. I know it's been used effectively. Some police agencies are now uh, signing on to give to all their cops. So if you're law enforcement, go to thinbluelinedefend.com. Check this out. If you're a law enforcement leader, man, you gotta, you've got to take a look at this. This can, this can safeguard your department as well as those law enforcement officers who will be using force. You know, there, there's, here's the reality of policing. It's not a matter of if you're going to use force. It's just a matter of when and what level of force that will be. could be something as simple as putting your hands on somebody, forcing them into handcuffs, or it could be as, as devastating as a law enforcement officer involved shooting. And the police have been incredibly um, targeted for prosecution by many of these woke district attorneys. And they need every tool available for them to safeguard their careers. So thinbluelinedefend.com, in addition to officerprivacy.com, check those out. Let's go into, oh, you know what I want to talk about? In, in relation to the, to the, the, the ambush killing of the two officers in Bristol, Connecticut. There was a third officer who was shot. Now, some video just was released about this shooting. This individual who targeted these officers, um, this was a man on a mission. He had the skill, he had the equipment, he had the knowledge, he had the willpower to bring these, lure these officers into an ambush, kill them. He also shot this other officer, but I want to talk about the warrior spirit in just a minute. But let me, let me read this. This is from the Associated Press. Wounded officer shot, killed suspect who killed two Connecticut law enforcement officers. Bristol police said officer Alec Irato was hit by gunfire and returned fire, killing the shooter. Now this is caught on videotape, body cam. It is stunning it is disturbing but it is also a a real illustrator of heroism and the warrior spirit of a police officer a connecticut police officer who was wounded in an apparent ambush to kill two of his fellow officers fired the shot that killed the attacker uh, Ayarato officer Ayarato was hit by gunfire and returned fire, killing the suspect. He was uh, the suspect during the gunfight was hit by the officer um, in the neck and caused spinal injuries, which killed him. Sergeant Dustin Diamante, Officer Alex Hamsey were gunned down outside of a home where they responded to a 911 call about possible domestic violence that authorities had appeared to be a deliberate act to lure the police. Witnesses said they heard about 30 gun, gunshots during the confrontation. 
The bodies of both officers were brought to funeral homes in separate processions. And the Yankees had a moment of silence for them. But I want to talk about the warrior spirit here for a moment. Officer Ayurado was shot, severely injured. But he stayed in the game even though two of his fellow officers were killed in front of him. His training, his experience, but most importantly, his warrior mindset here, gave him the strength, gave him the power to overcome this horrible set of circumstances and effectively return fire killing the suspect. You know what I find so disturbing is in recent years, the movements by the political leftist politicians who have the power over the purse strings for law enforcement budgets have come out publicly and done everything they could to emasculate law enforcement officers, to remove the ability for them to defend themselves. They remove equipment, safety equipment from them. They, 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 under the name of militarization of the police, they don't provide the training that is required to save their lives. Now, I know some of the best police trainers in the country. One of my jobs with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police was to be the supervisor in charge of advanced training. I personally have trained thousands of law enforcement officers across the United States in various tactics. And I know some of the greatest law enforcement instructors in the country. Without a shadow of a doubt, being prepared mentally, not just physically, to defend yourself and others is a critical part of your survival and also being effective as a cop. And yet, do you know what the law enforcement leadership in many places have succumbed to the political left's demands to soften police training, if you will, and is killing our cops. This officer is a perfect example of the warrior mindset at play. I'm shot, but I will survive. I'm shot, I'm hurt, but I am not letting this bullet stop me. I will continue the mission. I will take out the shooter. And that's exactly what he did. This officer is a true hero. As many officers across this country are. And yet, we are seeing leadership on the political left from, from from the state legislators on down. In fact, the President of the United States' Department of Justice, instead of actively teaching cops to survive, they have changed training throughout the country to be pronoun sensitive, to be sensitive about, about, about other issues that have nothing to do with saving the lives of our cops. Instead, they're taking the valuable training time that 
that is so precious, removing the the tactical and the, and the the um, the training that will actively save lives, removing that from the curriculum. That's why the Law Enforcement Survival Summit so critical. And so every officer that I know should come to this training. We're going to be doing it again in Las Vegas next year. Go to thewoundedblue.org and watch. We will be announcing it soon. And every cop in America needs to attend this. That's how critical this is. That's how important it is to survival. Have instructors like Dave and Betsy Smith, who have been who have been teaching police officers for decades how to survive a career, how to survive physically on the streets. I know personally because it was Dave Dave's training, which I believed helped save my life in a gunfight a couple decades ago. He had me doing mental imaging of surviving, no matter what, surviving a critical incident, surviving a gunfight. This doesn't happen by accident. This is, th these, are, these are skills that needed to be taught to our cops. And I believe I'm standing before you doing this show right now because I visualize myself surviving should I be in a shooting encounter, and I was, and visualizing myself as being a survivor truly helped me. So when I talk about how critical the training is that, that our officers around this country need in order to survive, I'm, I'm not talking hypothetically. I'm not talking from a, a standpoint that is that is just educational i'm talking about life saving skills we owe it to our cops to give them these skills our law enforcement leadership needs to man up yeah and i don't care if that's gender specific or not needs to man up and say i will do everything i can to help my cops survive screw the politics screw the politicians who tell me I can't do that. There are some amazing examples of, of, of law enforcement leadership that truly care. I got to listen to a, an incredible leader at the conference who was brought in, Sheriff Mark Lamb of the Pinal County Sheriff's Department in Arizona. Mark Lamb is, you might have seen him, he's, he's very often featured on Fox News, Newsmax, and other news outlets because he's very, very outspoken when it comes down to the way he believes law enforcement officers should be treated. And I know for a fact that he treats his cops with the leadership skills necessary to do everything to give them the opportunity to survive. And and listening to him uh, is, is inspirational. In fact, he's got a new book, just came out, Rules to Live By available on Amazon. Uh, go to Amazon, check out Sheriff Mark Lamb. He's got, he's got several books. So in, 
as we as we're seeing the diminishment of law enforcement leadership playing a real positive role in in law enforcement safety there are also some technological advantages that, are, that have been coming along so i recently met i'm going to show you something in just a second i recently met a man who has who is an inventor and he's a patriot he's a huge believer in in the united states military and his police and he knows the dangers that the officers are facing so he created a life-saving tool that he demonstrated to me and i fell in love with it i'm going to show it to you in a minute this needs to be in every police car in america because it can save lives now in my law enforcement career trained with all kinds of, of equipment ballistic shields is one of the things that are generally speaking in a supervisor's vehicle or are used by tactical teams they're basically bulletproof they can take up to a rifle round so that when cops are doing entries of buildings or or you know going up to a scene they have some protection but they're very very unwieldy they can weigh 35 40 pounds sometimes so you, you, they're you know you're really really struggling well my friend from armor um armor technologies has invented something unbelievable i'm gonna show it to you this my friends is a ballistic vest that can take a rifle round high-powered rifle round and this is designed as a personal protective tool for law enforcement officers in their cars look at this this is seven and a half pounds seven and a half pounds and they make another one that's a little bit bigger that's 10 pounds this is life-saving it literally just came out onto the market um my friend owns has the patents on this he's creating it it's all built in america and this this is one of the best pieces of tactical gear i've ever seen so he has just released this to the market and because of the wounded blue because of our mission in saving police lives he has generously generously offered for the sale of every one of these he would give 10 percent of these sales to the wounded blue i mean this guy is amazing what he has created is amazing it will save lives it should be in every police car in america so if you want information about this if you're a law enforcement leader or if you're a police officer or you know someone in leadership position that that when i show this to a we showed it to people during the during the conference it was instantaneous that these officers went oh my god we need this for our police cars yes you do because the officers can can utilize this on any call at any time you can contact me randy at the woundedblue.org that's randy at the woundedblue.org i will introduce you to the people who create this and you will be amazed they have another product too that is unbelievable but i want to focus on this for the time being 
Randy at thewoundedblue.org to, to get more information and a introduction to the creator of this incredible piece of protective equipment. So, you know, even as we are seeing the body count rise and we're seeing more and more attacks on, on the police, one of the reasons why, why the, the number of officers that have not been killed in these attacks is not because of the lack of trying by the, by, by the, the armed suspect, but because of protective equipment. Vests are saving cops literally um, uh, every week a vest, a, a ballistic vest is saving a cop. This piece of, of, of uh, equipment that I just showed you will be saving cops around the country. The, the ability to get tactical medicine very quickly is saving the lives. It's not because the threats are stopping. They are, they are growing, ever growing, but it's technology and it's, it's the ability of, of uh, medical to um, get hold of the patient quicker that is saving these officers' lives. But, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Florida governor's new law enforcement bonus program draws out-of-state officers. As you know, cops are quitting at, at, in droves. Program includes signing bonuses for recruits, funds for relocation expenses, pay raises and bonuses, in addition to adoption support for officers. This is um, from the Police One. More and more police officers are leaving their current positions to join forces in Florida. And Governor Ron DeSantis is touting one innovative pro program as a central reason for the state's recruitment success. This is amazing. And it, and, and it shows the, the realities. As police officers are leaving in droves because, because their states or their cities are, are showing their disdain for them, Florida is... is um, one of, the, one of the, the success stories when it comes down to police recruitment because of the leadership of Governor DeSantis and, and, the, and the legislator there. So uh, they're doing recruitment bonuses. He's uh, $20 million towards officer signing bonuses for new recruits. Um, in addition to new hire bonuses, um, they are showing their support and it's working. That's where law enforcement officers from around the nation are going. So we're coming toward the end of our program. Um, if you if you follow this show, you know that we memorialize every police officer who's died in the line of duty previous week. And although I've already talked about them, I'm going to mention them again. We should never forget these names. It's called End of Watch. Police Officer Alex Hamsey, Bristol Police Department, Connecticut, and Sergeant Dustin DeMonte, Bristol Police Department, Connecticut. Police Officer Alex Hamsey and Sergeant Dustin DeMonte were shot and killed in an ambush in front of a home on Redstone Avenue. Officers had responded to a business earlier in the evening in response to complaints about a disorderly patron. Officers who responded to the call issued the man a summons and released him. The man then went home, armed himself with an AR-15 rifle, and made a fake 911 call reporting a disturbance at his home. As officers arrived at the scene, the man opened fire on them from the front yard. Officer Hamsey and Sergeant Diamante were both fatally wounded, while a third officer suffered severe injuries. The subject was found dead with a gunshot wound at the home. Police Officer Alex Hamsey 
Sergeant Dustin DeMonte, Bristol Police Department, Connecticut. End of watch. Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. Investigator Maisha Brianna Stewart, Greenville Police Department, Mississippi. Investigator Maisha Stewart was shot and killed near the intersection of Reed and Rebecca during a vehicle pursuit at 7.30 a.m. Greenville officers and deputies with the Washington County Sheriff's Office were pursuing the subject who had fled after shooting his girlfriend. Subject was taken into custody following the pursuit. Investigator Maisha Brianna Stewart, Greenville Police Department, Mississippi. End of watch, Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. Deputy Sheriff Sidney Carter, Sedgwick County Sheriff's Office, Kansas. Deputy Sheriff Sidney Carter was killed in an automobile crash while responding to a disturbance call 9.30 p.m. Another vehicle ran a stop sign and struck her patrol car at the intersection. She had served with the Sedgwick County Sheriff's Office for two years. Deputy Sheriff Sidney Carter, Sedgwick County Sheriff's Office, Kansas. End of watch, Friday, October 7th, 2022. And Police Officer Trung Tai, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. Police Officer Trung Tai was shot and killed while responding to a domestic disturbance call 800 block of East Flamingo at approximately 1 a.m. The subject opened fire from inside his vehicle as Officer Tai and his partner attempted to make contact with him. Officer Tai and a civilian were both struck by the subject's shots. Officer Tai succumbed to his wounds while being transported to a local hospital. The man fled the scene was apprehended by a police canine approximately three miles away after refusing to exit his vehicle. Officer Tai has served the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department for 23 years. Police Officer Trung Tai, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police, Nevada. End of watch, Thursday, October 13th, 2022. Each of these officers gave their lives serving and protecting their communities. May they rest in peace. Well, this is the end of our show. You can help law enforcement. You can go to thewoundedblue.org. You can see what the Wounded Blue does to help injured and disabled officers. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go hit that donate button. Give what you can, $10 a month. That's literally Starbucks money. 10 bucks a month can help these officers. We provide peer support for those officers. We help get them into treatment because of their mental and emotional health issues. And we literally save lives. Go to thewoundedblue.org. If you want to contact me and support our organization, if you want to talk about issues facing law enforcement, Contact me, Randy, at thewoundedblue.org. That's Randy at thewoundedblue.org. If you want more information about this incredible piece of equipment, Randy at thewoundedblue.org. Thanks for joining me again here on the America Out Loud Network at the Voice for American Law Enforcement. Follow us on Facebook. And remember, the Wounded Blue, never forgotten, never alone. This is Randy Sutton. Thank you. One, 11, one, 10.